This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, the populations of the world are changing with mass movements of refugees and immigrants. So what does that mean for the future of global missions? Should we still be reaching the unreached or could they possibly have come to our own doorstep? I am Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris Brooks today on Equipped. Chris is out for another couple of days of well-deserved rest and I'm grateful to be with you today. Our phone lines will be open throughout the program. Write the number down, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Our topic today, the future focus of missions, and specifically, how does that impact this category of unreached people groups, and really, what does that even mean? You know, there's a couple of names I often go to when it's time to talk about missions. One of those is our guest today, Ted Essler is the president of Missio Nexus, which is an association of agencies and churches representing over 53,000 Great Commission workers worldwide. He uh, worked in the computer industry before becoming involved as a church planner in Bosnia in the 90s. He's also a author of the book Overwhelming Minority, which tells the story of their family's ministry in Bosnia. He's authored The Innovation Crisis, Creating Disruptive Influence in the Ministry You Lead, and he is regularly involved in conversations and conferences related to global missions, leadership, and the church. And he also hosts a podcast called The Mission Matters with Matthew Ellison from a group called 1615. And Ted, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks for your time today. Well, it's good to be with you today. Look forward to the conversation. You know, I host a program called Missions Today. It's a program here on the Moody Radio Network as well as a podcast. I focus a lot more, I think, on on the issues related to specific ministries and, and really telling stories of God at work around the world, people who are in those ministries in the field. And you do some of that. But one of the things I love about the Mission Matters podcast is that you all spend a lot of time talking about missions itself. What is it? What are we trying to do? What are we seeing changing? How do we adjust for that? How does the church get involved? How do individuals get involved? It really is an overall uh, great uh, comprehensive view of missions. And so I do recommend it to folks. Uh, The Mission Matters, and we'll uh, try to link people to that on our website. But uh, today I wanted to talk specifically, you wrote an article back in July called The Next 10 Years, What Topics Will Dominate Global Missions in the Next Decade? And I think we'll touch on some of those, but, but one of the pieces that we hear a lot about that I'm not sure we all understand fully is the topic of unreached people groups or UPGs. We've heard it before. We've heard about people reaching reached people. We've heard about people reaching unreached people groups. But I think it helps us to start with some definitions. Could you help us understand exactly what would qualify uh, in your mindset as an unreached people group? Sure. Well, the concept unreached people group really is just about to turn 50 years old. It was introduced at a Lausanne evangelism conference back in 1974 by a gentleman named Ralph Winter, and he focused on the fact that most missionary work is at that time, and actually still to this day, is focused on places where the church already exists. 
And he said, instead, we should be thinking about sending missionaries to where the church does not exist. And to that effect, he broke the world up into three categories, E1, E2, and E3. And the unreached represent that E3. And the unreached would be people who live in cultures in which there are so few, if any, Christians that unless something miraculous happened, a person would probably never meet a Christian and be able to hear the gospel from another believer. Mm. Technically, they use uh, 2%. If a culture has 2% or less uh, Christians within it, then it's considered unreached. But that's more or less an anthropological definition. And I should add that in the scriptures, when the Great Commission is given, uh, the, the most infamous verse of, verses, of course, are Matthew 28, 18 through 20, in which Jesus said that the gospel would be preached to all nations. And that Greek phrase there, panta ta ethne, does not refer to nations like we know them, uh, nation states, but rather to ethno-linguistic peoples. And so that's what an unreached people group is. It is not simply somebody that doesn't know Jesus. It's somebody that is living in a people group. It's a people group that has no internal witness for Christ. So you talked a bit about the the history of this, the uh, with Ralph Winters and these categories, and it seems like to me, from my involvement over the years, that there really has basically been a division between those two. When you talk about missions or mission organizations, or you have a conversation with somebody about it, uh, they're either going after reached people or they're going after unreached. There seems to be a fairly natural division in most ministries about who they're engaging with. Has that been that way since the the launch of this concept? You know, prior to Ralph Winters, so he's kind of credited with coming up with the idea, but um, in fact, it extends much, uh, a much longer window of time before him. And you can find missionaries, uh, Zwamer would be a good example, a missionary to Arabs, um, in you know missions history, but I would say that this unreached people group paradigm has so influenced uh, the missionary world that you almost do have to say, yeah, I work with reached people, or I work with unreached people. I, I should say too that both are needed, um, both are part of the Great Commission. Um, I think that what Ralph Winter was trying to do is address an imbalance between so much attention being given given to those reached areas and trying to get people to see the fact that we still have vast swaths of the planet that would be considered unreached. And so there, I would, you know, it has been extremely uh, diffused in the missions world. And I would say it's the primary paradigm that at least most Western mission agencies continue to work with. Yeah. Um, one of the things, as I was reading through some of the background material for our conversation today, one of the articles I read was from 2020, Why Unreached People Groups Still Matter in Missions, written by Brooks Busser and Chad Vegas. And one of the things they talk about is the fact that uh, overemphasizing unreached people groups in the mission world can often take resources and uh, focus away from uh, those that are already reached that maybe need deeper training and, and even from the church itself in uh, resources and activities they could be doing. 
What's interesting about that to me is that, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is only one or two percent of the funding for missions around the world goes to unreached people groups. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, you know, I think that statistic is very uh, poorly defined. So if you were to talk about all Christian giving, which I believe that statistic refers to, then it probably is one or two percent. Um, I don't think, you know, there's a couple of articles you can find online that tried to drill down, but I don't think you're going to really find uh, an exhaustive, extensive study done about how much of the missionary effort is actually spent uh, from a financial standpoint on the reach people groups. But it still is a minuscule amount. Uh, the, the vast, vast majority of Christian spending and the people that are sent as missionaries do continue to go to easier to reach places. Uh, well, I shouldn't say easier to reach, but let's say more reached places. Um, today, you know, there's currently the anthropologists, missionary anthropologists think that there's about 17,290 people groups in the world of which 7,250 some are considered unreached. That means that f almost 42% of all people groups in the world are unreached. And so it continues to be a huge need to see those uh, last people groups reached. Uh, that Now, I'm talking about people groups or cultures here. In terms of population, it does also represent very close to 42% of uh, global population mm. uh, lives in a culture which is considered unreached. How influential would you say has this unreached people group missiology been? I really don't know of anybody who's doing missions work at any kind of a serious level that hasn't at least become aware of it and considered it. And I would say that most of the newer mission agencies that have been formed, let's say since the 1970s, uh, they would almost all have a focus in this area. Even ones that predate that, of which there are quite a few, have moved their people and resources to focus more on unreached areas. And I also think that missionary success has led to the opportunity that we can see many non-Western missionaries and missionary agencies also beginning to focus more and more of their efforts on the unreached. I, it's just a, it's an overwhelming amount of influence. A phrase that many of us may be familiar with that we've heard probably over all those years is this idea of the 1040 window. Is that still uh, one of the leading areas of the world where ministry and mission are focusing? For sure, that's the case. Uh, the 1040 window, of course, refers to a imaginary band that runs across the latitudes 10 to degrees 40 that encompasses North Africa, the Middle East, into Central Asia, and across Southeast Asia. And if you were to map out where the unreached people groups are today, they still, by and large, now not completely, but by and large, most are going to fall in that 1040 window. And it remains a powerful concept. We're talking with Ted Essler. He's the president of Missio Nexus, and uh, we're talking about the future focus of missions. We'll come back and talk about some of the things that he's expecting over the next 10 years, the things he's hearing uh, missionaries and mission organizations and missiologists talking about, 
And we'll also uh, open up the phone lines. 877-548-3675 is the number to call. 877-548-3675. We'd love to hear from you. You can find out more about Ted and his work at EquippedRadio.org. That's EquippedRadio.org. 877-548-3675 is the number. You can also uh, learn more on our Facebook and Twitter pages. That's at Equipped Radio. And again, everything related to our conversation today is going to be found on our website at EquippedRadio.org. We'd love to hear from you. Join in the conversation. Maybe you've been a missionary. You work with mission agencies. You want to know more about missions. This guy knows a lot about it. He'd be glad to answer those questions for you as we talk about the future focus of missions on Equipped with Chris Brooks. 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Back with more in just a moment. You know, I've heard that for every one person that sends a gift to support Equip, there are probably 10 others that don't. But I can tell you this, we deeply appreciate every single one of you who support this program. Your impact is huge. Maybe it's been a long time since you've contacted Equip, or maybe you've never responded. Isn't it time to call? Here's the number, 888-644-4144 or EquipRadio.org. You're listening to Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris today. So grateful you've taken time to be with us. Our phone line's open at 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Is reaching unreached people groups still the best focus for missions? And what does the future focus of missions really look like. Our guest today is Ted Esler. He's the president of Missio Nexus, which is an association of agencies and churches representing over 53,000 Great Commission workers worldwide. He also hosts a wonderful podcast on missions called The Mission Matters with Matthew Ellison, and uh, so grateful to have him with us today. Ted, we were just talking about uh, how UPGs have influenced missions over the last number of years. I'm guessing that there, in fact, I I kind of referenced uh, one of these potential problems or criticisms of of UPG missiology with one of the articles I referenced, uh, maybe taking away from other work that could be done. Do you have some thoughts on historic criticisms or problems with UPG uh, missionary work? For sure. I, I mean, if you go back in, even back when it was first, discussed seriously by Ralph Winter, almost straight out of the gate at the same event in which he talked about it, criticisms came to the fore. Probably the dominant criticism was that this was kind of a managerial or statistical or Western or Americanized way of looking at mission. In other words, excuse me, we're going to go ahead and count how many unreached people groups there are, then we're going to move resources and people that way. It sounded like we were trying to manage what God was doing. So some of the very first attacks on it were that it was neglecting the role of the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. how mission should be played out. It was too pragmatic and too practical. And of course, that's been an ongoing, I would say an ongoing criticism that's been, even to this day, you'll you'll hear about that. And in fact, that is one of the ways that non U.S. missionary leaders often describe U.S. missionary leaders. They'll talk about us as being 
too concerned about the managerial aspects of mission and not enough about the spirit and what's trying to be done, you know, what God is trying to do quite apart from how we envision it. So that would be one. I think another thing is, you know, back when it was first introduced, there was a lot of missionary work, for example, in South America, whereas today I would say as a percentage globally, there's far less. And so some resources did leave the Latin American field and found their way in the Middle East and North Africa and North India and some of these other parts of the world. And I think whenever that happens, that's hard for the indigenous church, the church that's left behind. Um, it's funny because there's a little bit of a paradox in that we want to see that indigenous church grow, develop, and take responsibility for itself. But when it's sometimes when it's pressed and when it actually happens, it can be rather painful. And I do think that's part of what was going on at the time as well. Um, so, so you know, I think those would be two of the things that came out. There's other things. There's some people would talk about the fact that there's too much anthropology in our missiology. And what they mean by that is when we look at an unreached people group, you're talking about an ethno-linguistic people group. So, for example, I worked in the Balkans where you have Serbs, Croats, and Muslims all speaking Serbo-Croatian, the same language. Yet these are definitely three distinct people. And it's an anthropological decision on whether you consider them to be one or three. And so it introduced a fair amount of anthropological thinking into missiology, which I think there is a danger there because we don't want to simply be using human tools and human theories for our understanding of who people are. Um, I mean, it's been attacked in so many different ways. Probably the most recent attack is coming from people that are sympathetic to critical social justice theories, and they're basically painting um, missions as a whole, as anti as as a part of colonialism, and mm-hmm. and not anti-colonial enough. And toward that extent, um, I've read tweets that say things like, "If you speak about unreached peoples, you're a racist," and etc. So, wow. Basically, all the deconstructions that have come through culture have also come through missiology, and including this latest uh, latest wind that's sleeping through our culture. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and people may not be fully familiar with this story, maybe you can fill us in a little bit, but it seems that one of the issues that has arisen on this unreached people group effort is related to risk, uh, sometimes people taking more risk uh, than they should, because oftentimes these are places that are totally closed to the gospel, totally closed to Christians. They don't want uh, people there who are pushing their faith uh, can you relate to us a little bit of the story of John Chow, who was killed while trying to reach a people group and what maybe how that has played itself into the discussion of UPGs? Yeah, well, John Chow was a missionary sent out from a missionary agency called All Nations. Uh, he had a number of years of preparation, and then he went to an island in the Indian Ocean and tried to reach the Sentinelese and the Sentinelese were already known for killing everybody that came onto the island. And in fact, when he went onto the island, he was himself martyred trying to take the gospel there. And in the ensuing uh, days after that, there was plenty of things written, tweeted, and talked about in Facebook groups 
about uh, whether or not you know he was an adventure seeker or you know was this a serious missionary effort even if, even within the church there was a a string of criticisms launched at John it's very interesting to me just because if you scroll back in history you'll see in the 50s there were these famous missionaries that were killed in South America Jim Elliot being the most uh, well-known of the bunch Mm-hmm. And they were talked about in the secular press in fairly favorable terms. Life magazine ran a full, you know, multi-page uh, pictorial essay on their work and what they were doing. Now, if that happens, if somebody is martyred somewhere, then all these questions about how smart that is, is it too much risk taking? And I think there's the bigger agenda also of trying to preserve indigenous people in their natural state. I think that's also a big push and a reason why, um, you know, John Chow's story is an important one. In fact, you're, you may or may not be aware that a movie just released. The movie is called The Mission, and it's a collaboration between National Geographic and the Discovery Channel. I have not seen the movie yet. However, uh, Mary Ho, who is the international director of All Nations, um, she screened it and she was interviewed in the movie, but it is essentially, it's a, it's a critique um, of John Chow's decision and why it's wrong for missionaries to go into places like this. Mm. And I, you know, I, I think when it, when it comes down to it, you just have to ask yourself, if you're a Christian, uh, do you believe that lost people go to hell? And do you think they suffer punishment Uh, Now, if you don't believe they do, then I think, you know, there's no need to have missionaries at all. But if you take the words and the command of Jesus seriously to take the gospel to the nations, well, then there's good reason and good motivation to make that happen. So so John's story is far from being finished yet. Uh, This movie will come out. I'm sure there'll be um, some quite some conversation happening around it. Um, and we also have his journal and can read some of what he's written, uh, even the days leading up to this event. And mm-hmm. it is going to be inspirational for people to see his commitment. And so I think that, you know, we don't know how this is going to end yet. It's still an ongoing story. Yeah. Thanks for uh, sharing that. I think that gives us a good uh, picture of how even things have changed since the Elliot's days to what we're seeing today, both with criticism and and response from secular uh, society, as well as the church and the missions community. So I think it's helpful to take a look at those. Our phone lines are open, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Let's go to the phones now. And Rosa, you're listening in Chicago. Thank you so much for calling today. Your question or comment for Ted. Thank you. It's both a comment and a question. Thank you for having me on. This is so exciting for me. and I don't even know where to begin, but um, I recently read in a magazine that uh, the church, uh, the church's problem of being in decline could be, um, could uh, have some hope with the, uh, with all the immigrants coming in because um, of their need of direction, hope, faith, um, with their language barrier and unemployment and all of that. They're looking for something. They're looking for something better, and that we as a church can can grow. Now, um, I know that um, I, I I just envision like 
revival events of all these immigrants coming to Christ and growing our church and contributing to our country. I recently called uh, one of the churches in Chicago uh, to see if they had uh, an event for Christmas or the holidays coming up where I could or my family could come and speak into their lives and give them encouragement because my family is uh, comes from a line of immigrants, uh, but they had nothing. And so um, I don't know what our response could be, how we can help in this uh, in this time, I, I just think of it as exciting. I know it looks like it may look like a burden to uh, to many people, but I think that um, there's uh, there's room and there's uh, hope for our church to to um, be revived because of the immigrants coming in. Rosa, I thank you for your question. I'm going to ask if you don't mind to hold through this uh, break because we're coming up on a hard break here at the bottom of the hour. And Ted, I'm going to ask you to hold your answer till we get back in just a moment because I do want to talk more about migration and immigration, how that's impacting the church and missions today. You're listening to Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert sitting in, and we are grateful for you being with us today as we talk about the future focus of missions and reaching unreached people groups and how those all fit together. Our number is 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. You can also learn more about TED and Missio Nexus and all the other things we're talking about on our website, equippedradio.org, or Facebook or Twitter, at Equipped Radio. Again, the phone lines open 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. We'll be back with Ted, get his question, uh, the question answered for Rosa. We'll take more of your calls as well. And uh, we are excited about having an opportunity to talk about spreading the gospel around the globe. What does that look like today and in the years ahead? How can we be involved? All of that to come in just a moment on Equipped with Chris Brooks. 877-548-3675. Back with Ted's answer for Rosa coming up in just a moment. Well, we've just got a couple of days of October left, and we are quickly approaching our goal for the month here on Equipped uh, with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert sitting in today and need to remind you that we're about uh, just under $400 away from our monthly goal this month. And if you can help us reach that goal by giving a gift today to support the work of Equipped with Chris Brooks for programs like this and others that you hear from Chris on a daily basis, you can call 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144 or visit equippedradio.org. Maybe you've been listening to Chris for many years, have always intended to give, but just never gotten around to it. Now would be a great time. And don't forget that we're going to send you a book that will help you in your walk with God each day. It's called Wisdom's Call, 100 Meditations for a Life in Christ by K.A. Ellis. And again, gift of any size at 888-644-4144, 888-644-4144, or equippedradio.org. Our guest today is Ted Essler. We're talking about the future focus of missions, specifically how unreached people groups fit into that conversation. We had a call from Rosa uh, just before the break, and Ted actually, in an article that we're going to link, uh, we're working on getting up on the equippedradio.org page, this article you wrote in July, the next 10 years, 
The first topic you talk about is the impact of migration and immigration on missions, and it actually pretty much is in line with what Rosa was just asking. Can you talk a little bit about how the immigration and migration issue affects the church here in the West? It's a great question, and Rosa is right to ask it. Uh, I would say the global missions community has already made a pretty significant shift in embracing diaspora ministry. This has come about in a couple of different ways. Uh, One way would be with COVID, a lot of missionaries came home, and a lot of them found their people group living right here in the U.S. and began working with those people groups. And so a lot of agencies that used to only work overseas now have field teams right here in the U.S. And I do think that all the data we have shows that migration is not going away. If anything, it's going to be increasing into the future. And it has incredible potential for the church. Incredible. So my my first response is um, hallelujah and amen to this idea. And we need to be seeing more and more people do outreach to immigrants. Now, I recently spoke on this topic to a whole room full of mission agency CEOs, and I encouraged them to think about walking and chewing gum on the topic here of immigration. And the reason for that is that even though it feels like there's immigrants everywhere, only 3.2% of the world's population are currently living in a country other than their birth country. So this amounts to about 218 million people. Now, that's a very small number when compared to the billions of unreached peoples around the world. Mm -hmm. On top of that is the reality that immigrant Christians coming to the U.S. tend to impact mostly their own culture. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's great. But if the hope is to see the U.S. church transformed, we're going to need a little bit different dynamic to occur. And it could occur. It could be that we'll build toward a time where there is that kind of momentum. Currently, it's not happening. And I would just, uh, in fact, I got an email in just a couple of days ago from a well-known church researcher. If I said his name, at least some of your uh, followers or listeners would uh, know who I'm talking about. But he was in Canada. And Canada, of course, is down the immigration road, probably about two and a half decades ahead of us mm-hmm. uh, with, for the size of their nation, more immigrants than we have had as a percentage of their population. And they have concluded that while many immigrants <clears throat> are Christians or becoming Christians, it's just not, it has not been enough to prevent the overall church from decline. That's probably what's happening here in the U.S., this researcher concluded. Mm -hmm. So we need to not think of this as kind of a silver bullet that's going to change our dynamic, but we need to continue to lean in on outreach. Just the last thing I would say on this topic is that if you look at the immigrant streams that come in, what what you'll see is there's vast, vast swaths of cultures particularly those represented by huge populations of unreached people groups that are not represented in the immigrant stream. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about people that are from northern India, which is a significant challenge 
for the global missions community. People groups in Western Indonesia are what is called the Central Chad Cluster in that central north area close to Chad. There's huge, huge populations of unreached people groups, but those are typically not the ones that are coming to the U.S. as immigrants. And so reaching those people groups to the immigrants is probably not going to be likely uh, um, either. So our challenge here is to certainly see the new opportunity, but to not drop the ball by continuing to send missionaries, uh, both our own and support indigenous missionaries as well, that might be working in a much closer culture. Those are strategies we need to do all at the same time. Rosa, thanks so much for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, 877-548-3675, our number, 877-548-3675. Let's go back to the phones. Chris, you're listening in Indiana to WGNR. Thanks for calling today. Your question or comment. Uh, Hi. Thank you. Sorry. Um, Go go right ahead. Sorry. Can, Can you hear me okay? Yes, you'll just need to turn down your radio and listen over the phone. Okay. Um, Sorry. That's all right. Um, Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, So my question is, um, I have a a friend from our church who's very much involved in a program called um, Jesus Film Project, and it's for reaching unchurched people groups and getting Bibles in their languages. And um, she said recently... Uh, she and her husband are very involved in uh, giving to this ministry as well. And she said recently that we were getting very close to to reaching all the unchurched uh, people groups, which is pretty, I did not know that. And it's pretty amazing to me. And I just wanted to know um, your thoughts on that and also um, what that means. All right, Ted, we've, uh, thank you for your call. I appreciate it, Chris. Ted? Well, that's a good question, and it's a good question in part because I think that there is uh, a great opportunity here for misunderstanding to occur uh, based on reports like this because we actually have a long way to go. But, but what we are seeing progress in, we're seeing progress in what we would call engagement. So let's let's take a people group. Let's say it's in North India. Let's say it's got seven or eight million people in it. And we don't know of any missionaries whatsoever that are working there. And let's say the Jesus film is not translated or any portions of the Bible into that people group. Okay, there are those people groups out there today. But now somebody comes along and they say, I'm going to commit, our church is going to commit to doing whatever it takes to eventually seeing a reproducing church in that people group. Now, if they do that, then they are marked, that group is marked as having been adopted. Now, nobody's moved there. There's been no ministry that's happening there, but there's at least a plan in place. Mm. Well, when somebody actually shows up on the scene and begins to do ministry there, and it might be an American missionary, or it could be somebody from another part of India. It doesn't really matter where the missionaries come from. Now that people group is considered engaged. Well, that's an awesome step forward, but it's also a very long, long process to getting to Mm. 2% at culture, particularly if they're a resistant people group. So I think what happens oftentimes is that when people talk about the status 
of where things stand with the Great Commission, it's very easy to talk about steps that are being taken along the path, but those steps aren't actually what we're really shooting for in the end. They're important steps, and they're really positive. And the Jesus film is an example of a missionary, you know, a, a big missionary push that's been going on for quite some years that's had a significant impact, a very helpful impact. But I think it would be premature to say that we're getting close to reaching all the unreached people groups. We do have engagements in many of the larger ones, uh, but I think we still have a long ways to go on many of the smaller ones. That's helpful. Uh, thank you for your call, Chris. Appreciate it. And uh, Ted, thank you for that response. I think it, it helps give us an understanding because I think uh, when we often are supporting missionaries or mission organizations, we are hearing their numbers and their uh, perspective on what's happening in the mission world. And sometimes it's just a little slice of the pie and it helps to get a, a broader view of what's uh, taking place there. Uh, I recently, uh, this last weekend on my show, interviewed a pastor in Nairobi, Kenya. I was in Kenya a few weeks back and interviewed a pastor there who was born in a little village and now pastors one of the largest churches in Nairobi. And he was talking about the fact that over the last number of years, as, as we were talking about the church in Kenya as a whole, he was talking about the fact that over the last number of years, they were receivers. People were coming to still do missions in in Kenya, in Africa, and that still is something going on. We're still in ascending mode in the U.S., but what he started talking about was the fact that many of their churches and many of their ministries are now at the point that they are beginning to plant churches in other countries, other parts of the world, and they're beginning to send missionaries to other parts of the world. That uh, through Africa and South America and Asia, that's something that's beginning to happen all over the world, isn't it? A hundred percent true, and it's super exciting, and it really is the fruit of a previous generation sowing um, in global missions. But I would just say keep your eyes on really two countries in Africa that have me very excited. One is Kenya, as you mentioned. The other one is Nigeria. As we move forward, we are going to see really significant shifts in where population is shrinking and where population is growing. And it just so happens that Nigeria is a place where the population is expected to grow by leaps and bounds, as well as in Kenya. And those countries are poised to do some significant missionary sending into the future. And because they're culturally closer to where many of the unreached are, I think in many ways we're going to see movement faster than what we've seen over the last couple of decades. Well, that's exciting. I know the pastor I talked to was very excited about what's uh, happening in his neck of the woods, and uh, we'll talk more about that when we come back in just a moment. Our phone lines are open, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. You can also learn more about uh, our guest today and his work at equippedradio.org. We are going to link that uh, article that he wrote the next 10 years that he wrote back in July. We'll link that for you. And I asked uh, our team to put a link 
to the Mission Matters podcast that he co-hosts with Matthew Ellison. It's a great podcast as well if you love to learn more and hear more about mission activity around the world. 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Back with more of Equipped with Chris Brooks and our guest Ted Esler on the future focus of missions coming up in just a moment. Stay with us. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. If you want to know more, simply call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. You're listening to Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris today, who's taking a well-deserved vacation. I'll be with you tomorrow and uh, on Wednesday as well. We got some really powerful, I believe, and important programming coming over the next two days. Tomorrow, talking about the Jewish people, what we need to know about the Jewish people and its tie to our faith and how we should be praying. And on Wednesday, talking about Islam and uh, Muslim uh, people and how in all of this chaos around the world, we as believers should be thinking about what's going on between uh, primarily the Muslims and the Jews. Uh, we're seeing it play itself out in Israel right now. Our guest today, Ted Essler, the future focus of missions is our topic. And uh, I'd like to go back to the phones here uh, before we run out of time for that. Lonnie, you're on the line with us today from Michigan. Thank you so much for your call, your question or comment, please. Hi. I um, Just one second here. <laughs> While I was waiting for you, I got called up to take care of some great-grandkids, but I'm going to step outside so we can talk. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I, uh, I am I, I'm a widow, and I um, have very limited income, and I have just relocated from Texas to Michigan to be close to family, and I am wondering uh, if you could tell me what sort of things I can do, how I can help, because I, I'm living on such small resources, and I don't have a lot coming in, and I would like to give. I really have a heart for what you're talking about, and I, other than praying, how else can I help? It's a great question, Ted. It's a great question. And I'd say that there's plenty of things you can do. And right at the top of that list is prayer. And you can do that in so many different ways. I'm going to give you a couple of very practical ways to do it. The first thing is to get yourself a copy of the book Operation World. And Operation World is published every so many years. And it's basically a country a day. You'll, when you have your devotionals, you can open up Operation World. You can read about the country of the day, and it will give you prayer points for what's happening in that country. It's just a fantastic way to insert missions into your everyday prayer life. Now, on top of that, there's a wonderful ministry actually based out of Chicago called One Way, and they run a ministry. They have one of their ministries. They have a number of them, but one of them is called PrayerCast. And if you go to a website, prayercast.com, 
which you can, which you'll find there, are a set of curated short videos in which you will see images of the countries they're praying for and an indigenous person praying for the needs in that country, along with a set of prayer points that you can use to go further in prayer for that particular people group. And they have, in, in fact, right now, if I were out there thinking about getting more engaged in prayer, they have a whole series on Islam and how to pray for the Muslim world. And with what's happening geopolitically right now, I can think of no better time than to invest as much as you can in praying uh, for the Muslim world. I could tell you a few stories about how even in the terrible kinds of things that we've seen here, God makes himself known and um, in incredible and amazing ways. And then the final thing I would say on this idea of prayer is almost all missionaries will publish a monthly prayer newsletter or bi-monthly, or sometimes they do it online. But I would introduce yourself to missionaries and get your email address on their list so they can begin communicating with you because then you can have a direct one-to-one -one relationship with so many missionaries, a very powerful way to engage in global missions right there from Michigan. Uh, Lonnie, thank you so much for your call today. I think that is uh, so helpful. And Ted, your answers to her, just so practical and anybody listening today, ways that we can engage, even if we're not able to go, even if we're not able to give, practical ways. And I, I always hear prayer being at the top of most of those lists of, of what people are looking for and that interaction piece as well. Thank you for mentioning missionaries' newsletters. I have some friends who are missionaries. They spend a lot of time thinking and praying about what to put in those, and, and even uh, so much more thrilled when they get responses from people that they're actually uh, reading them and praying about the things they've asked about. I know it's very powerful for people in the field, so grateful for that. Uh, Ted, we just got about 30, 45 seconds here. Uh, just as we close, just a maybe final thought about uh, what we should be thinking about, praying about uh, related to missions in the days ahead. You know, I think I would just say that, you know, we are living in the time of probably the greatest expansion of the gospel that's ever occurred. There are people coming to Christ from all sorts of countries all around the world. Very exciting. If you could engage in prayer, that is such a universal way for everybody to participate. And I would just very much encourage informing and educating yourselves on those parts of the world that need prayer and just getting down on your knees and getting busy for the Lord that way. Ted Essler, president of Missio Nexus, co-host of the Mission Matters podcast. We're going to link you to all of that at our website, equippedradio.org, equippedradio.org. Ted, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks to our crew today back in Chicago. A big, uh, a big uh, send-off to uh, my good friend Courtney there today. Thank you so much for your work and best wishes to you and your new life in Canada. I can't believe it. Deb, thanks so much, and the phone screeners as well. Thanks to you for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow here on Equipped with Chris Brooks, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.